0: was Somerset Mom, who said, tradition is a guide but not a jailer. In my 1970s childhood women and girls did not get to play football in organised teams. This infuriated me intensely. My dad had been a professional footballer. He never gave a stuff about convention and I loved him for it. In many ways He was something of a role model. Dad took me out on Saturdays to watch the Scottish Premier League and I relished these trips with our bovril, steaming pies and Glaswegian patter. Inspired by the likes of Kenny Dalgleish, Gordon Strachan, Archie Gemmel, I played football incessantly and passionately with the boys on the grass near my house. I longed to play in a team. But it wasn't traditional. So when I moved to Northern Ireland in 1995 I was already conscious of the limitations placed on women by societal convention. It's only a hop over the Irish Sea to my new home I think to myself. It won't be that different. Generations have moved across the sea before me Admittedly, predominantly in the opposite direction. Anyway, I've made four different moves around the UK and they've all been fine. This should be a cinch. After all, it's just another part of the UK. That's what I learned in school anyway. Did I mention that I'm moving from Edinburgh city centre to a farm? No, that's a minor detail. I have found love with a gently-spoken, animal-loving, blue-eyed, muscular farmer and love conquers all. We all know that. I mean, as long as we have each other, nothing can go wrong. I have visited Northern Ireland before, several times for a week or two. A few things have struck me as slightly different. I mean, for example, there are no people of colour in the County Down Countryside. There are lots of white bungalows and really quite a strong predilection for colourful flag-waving. Still, the flags, at least the ones in my new village, serve to create an even stronger expectation that this is the same country as the one I'm leaving. So, surely, it will have more or less the same culture, too. Okay, so farm life is a bit different to city life, I'll give you that. I mean, it appears to be pretty friendly. So friendly, that soon after arriving, I'll be standing in my new kitchen and I'll hear my husband come in the back door. Has to be him, because only people who actually live in your house let themselves in. We're newly married, so the fact that I'm scantily dressed adds to the romantic free song, and the sense of anticipation after a long day apart. I tidy my hair as he walks into the kitchen. Ah, Mrs Dunn, that's powerful harvest weather altogether, isn't it? Is the boss in at all? I was wondering if I could borrow the ennui wee trailer in the yard for the silage. The details of Don Trailer escape me as utterly confounded I back as nonchalantly as possible out of the kitchen in search of more clothes. <laughs> Meanwhile the unperturbed farmer studies his muddy wellies intently until I'm ready and then continues with barely a breath. Boy's a dear, the price of straw would scunder you, wouldn't it? I'm even more taken aback that my husband isn't shocked and appalled by this intrusion into our private space. Why, oh, that's your man Quigley. He always comes in for a wee chat. He's a neighbour. My man? What's he on about? He's not my man. I've never met him in my life and he's not a neighbour. I've met the people on either side of our house and he isn't one of them. It occurs to me over the coming weeks I've maybe been a bit hasty in thinking that this is the same country. Not only is the language incomprehensible, but so are the bucolic customs. It isn't long after this that my husband mentions the silage men. The silage men. My memory travels back to Doctor Who and squads of emotionless silver cyborgs marching threateningly in search of vulnerable humans. No, hold on, that was the Cybermen. It can't be as bad as that. Aye, the silage men will be here soon, my husband says with an air of serious intent. Okay, I've recently learned what silage is, but I'm not sure about the men. When we do the silage harvest, he continues, we'll need to feed them. We? I repeat suspiciously. Well, not me, he demurs. I'll be out rolling. Rolling? Where? Rolling what? I ponder this, but then, not wishing to appear completely ignorant, I just say this all happen? I ask innocently. Oh, you never know exactly. You just wait for the call. Right? And how many will there be? Oh, it's hard to say. It depends who's available. Maybe four, maybe six. Right? So an indiscriminate number of men will arrive on an undetermined day (laughs) and I have to feed them while you're rolling. (laughs) I'm out and I can't do it <clears throat> eh? but we have to feed them you have to wait for them to come and then you feed them it's simple <sighs> well look we can always do frozen pizza if, you, if I'm busy that day you can put them in the oven I say starting to get the picture picture I'm not really warming to of me the farmer's wife awaiting The men, who are clearly doing something of greater importance. Oh no now, they don't eat pizza. What do you mean they don't eat pizza? Everybody eats pizza. Oh no, not these men, no definitely not, it's just one day. I mean it's not just one day, it's going to take two or three days to get the job done. Two or three days, well then they can have cold food, I'll make them salad. Can't they just bring their own lunches anyway, like painters and builders? After all, we literally pay them thousands of pounds. Oh, we've always fed them. And no, they don't eat salads, they'll all be starving. Meat, potato, veg, that's how it's done. Two weeks later, the call finally comes. The rumble of oversized tractors and the rattle of empty trailers alert me to their arrival. Six or so burly bearded men in grass-stained overalls, smelling of oil, trudging. They wash their hands and loiter awkwardly at one end of my kitchen. (laughs) Oh, sit down, please, I say, trying to sound welcoming. Thanks, Mrs. Dunn, several mumble politely. They seem kind of shy in my presence, like boys at their first dance. I ladle out huge portions of stew, potatoes and veg, wondering, is this all these men have ever eaten in their lives? Casting an appraising glance, I soon realise that they sound content and that a vigorous debate on the benefits of the new John Deere tractor over the Massey Ferguson is filling the kitchen with animated male conversation. For a moment, I stop and listen. Relieved that all is well and that I, the anomalous farmer's wife from the city, have done something right in this baffling new universe. I then take my own plate and sit down beside them. (laughs) Two seconds flat, I know I've done something wrong. It's like somebody's hit mute on the TV control. Silence, what has the blowin' done now, I wonder. Flinchingly, I look round the table, but all the men are staring silently at their stew. I look at my husband, no eye contact there either. (laughs) Suddenly, I get a flashback to Tanzania and an invitation to tea. The lady of the house made the tea and potato and then, to my amazement, went and sat outside. It was explained to me that the woman didn't eat with the men. Well, or with men and white women in this instance. This is what they expect, I realized, with growing disbelief and horror expected to make the food and then disappear so that I don't disrupt their exclusive male agricultural deliberations. It may have been traditional to feed the silage men then wordlessly disappear, but again as Lemony Snicket said, just because something is traditional, it's no reason to do it. After one more year, That particular custom was foreclosed, especially when our baby girl arrived. After all, my daughter would be soon looking to me as her role model and I could ill afford to let her down. Thank you so much, Lorna. A joy as always. Um, Do you like to give us a wave there, blue-eyed muscular farmer? <laughs>